Hi. You don't know me, and I don't know you. That's perfect. It's easier to say stuff like this to a stranger. My name's Jude, and I'm a 35-year-old widower, navigating life after my wife Vic died of breast cancer in April 2021. She was 42. This podcast documents what I've learned about well-being. I run, cycle, play sports, and do yoga. I also have a screen addiction, go to bed at 2am and still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Life is hard, especially when there's a monkey in the driving seat. But I have learned that if you feed him the right stuff, comb his hair in the morning and stroke him when he's sad, occasionally he will get you to the right destination. The monkey chamber is a sanctuary where we discuss grief, depression, addiction and procrastination. Also simple concepts such as happiness, fulfilment and the meaning of life. We'll cover all the fun stuff here. This podcast tells real stories without filters. Thanks for tuning in. Look after your monkey and have a nice life. Hi and welcome to episode one. I think this episode is mainly going to be setting out what this podcast is going to be about, uh, give you a rough idea why I'm doing this and hopefully what value it can bring to you as a listener. The main thing which started me on this journey really is the death of my wife Vic from breast cancer. Uh, We got together in 2010, within a few months she'd been diagnosed with primary breast cancer and I was young and foolish and innocent and didn't really think about the implications of it too much. I just thought, yes, cancer is something that people die from and fingers crossed she won't. Um, and also there's lots of cures these days and, you know, it's likely that they'll get rid of it for now and 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years time, it'll come back and we'll deal with it then. In reality, uh, she had some chemotherapy treatment, lasted something like six months. She lost all her hair. She was on some hormone replacement therapy, which lasted another few years after that, during which we built up a relationship. We moved in together into a flat, which we rented. We went on a few holidays and I kind of became an honorary honorary member of her family, um, which was lovely. Um, We made plans to start our own family um, about five years after she'd been diagnosed initially. Um, We bought a flat together, which is where I still live now. And around that time, I think we'd moved into the flat on my birthday. um, And then again, about three months after that, um, she got diagnosed with secondary cancer, at which point they told us that meant it was terminal. And basically she had five years to live. They weren't sure, um, but it was pretty accurate, to be honest. I think in the end, it was something like five and a half or six years later that she did finally die from cancer. once we got that diagnosis, it, everything became a lot more difficult. Um, about a couple of years after that, she moved out and moved back in with um, her her mum and sister and nieces and nephew and her sister's partner. Um, I'll go into a lot more detail about um, the journey and, and what happened, but basically that's the starting point of what made me start to seek ways to cope with what was happening, um, 
ways to cut out bad habits, some of which I still have and I'm still working on. Um, like I said at the start, this is a journey that I'm on, I think. It sounds pretentious, but I think it's one of those things which is actually true where um, this isn't a a race to a finish line where I'll fin- I'll um I'll get there and then I'll I'll be fixed. Uh, I think with any kind of well being exercises, it's a constant um, struggle for improvement, really, and it is a struggle. Um, it's like if you go to the gym, you're never you're never finished. You go to the gym and you'll constantly work on particular muscle groups. You'll have new regimes. Um, you'll stumble a little bit. You might stop going for a couple of weeks. You might have to pick it up and go again, find someone new to go with, go to a new gym. And with your mind, I think it's exactly the same. Um, there's so many different areas that um, I'm so interested in now. Um, I've always been interested in psychology. I've never studied it officially, but I've always been interested in um, what makes people tick. Uh, I've done some reading, a lot, not as much as I'd like to do, but um, I've read around the subject of mental health in various different ways, whether it's um, watching videos on YouTube, uh, reading some self-help books, speaking to counsellors, speaking to friends. Um, not as much as I'd like to, but I feel like it's difficult, especially people close to you. These things only come up when something like mm-hmm. a death happens. Um, it's not a day-to-day conversation, and that's what I'm hoping to to do with this podcast, really, bring it into... Um, a conversation that can happen on a daily basis or a weekly basis or however often people will listen to these podcasts. Um, I want to normalise these sort of conversations and also bring them to the forefront of my mind a little bit more as well. The next clip you'll hear is a recording of the words I spoke at Vic's funeral. It was incredibly difficult on the day to get any of this out uh, I stood up in front of 20 or so people um, and basically cried for about a minute straight before I could say anything and as you'll hear it wasn't all that much easier reading it now a year later um, it's it really shows me how how deeply this has affected me and how hard it is to think about what's happened um, I quite like uh, the things that I said, and I think they're all still true. I've I've read it again um, a couple of times uh, since last summer. And um, yeah, have a listen. Vic and I got together in June 2010. Within six months, she had been diagnosed with breast cancer. I think it says everything you all already know about Vic, that despite me being her absolute perfect dream man, she immediately offered me a way out. She told me what was likely to happen, be it in five or ten or twenty years, and she wouldn't hold it against me if I wanted to split up and save a lot of heartache. It was typical Vic, putting other people's welfare first. I'd like to claim I was wise beyond my twenty-three years, but... The truth is, I was young and in love, and I didn't really give it much thought. A few weeks ago, I was driving Vic back from what proved... to be her very last... hospital scan. 
and they both already knew that cancer had finally got the better of her and she didn't have long left. I'm really glad that I got the chance to tell her. I've thought about that day in 2010 many times over the last decade and every time I know that I made the right decision. It's not even close. There have been a lot of lows. I've witnessed Vic endure tough physical and mental challenges and I've been powerless to help. It might surprise you to learn I'm not the most naturally caring or nurturing person. And I know Vic found that very hard. I wasn't the knight in shining armour she'd hoped for. Luckily, she had her sister for that. Instead, my role changed from husband and partner to chauffeur and children's entertainer. And that was okay. Through a combination of Vic's illness and simply her undeniably warm, loving selflessness, I've learned things about life and about myself that I'd never have learned without her. Without her. My whole perspective has changed. I know what's important now. And, funnily, funnily enough, not that many things in life are all that important. The last lesson Vic taught me is that when someone as wonderful as her does die, along with the inevitable sadness, there are actually a whole host of positive feelings. Love, pride, admiration, inspiration. So, while of course I am immensely sad right now, and I've probably cried several times through this little speech, I also feel incredibly lucky and privileged to have shared a huge chunk of my life with Vic. It's interesting because just listening back to that now, as I'm editing and putting together this podcast, um, it's really clear to me that I've still got a lot of emotions around the subject of Vic's death. Even talking about it now, saying these words, um, you know, it's bringing a tear to my eye and, and, and making it quite hard to talk. And I see myself as a very unemotional person. Um, in day-to-day life, I think what I've done, I've learned over my three decades on this planet, how to kind of squash emotions down. Um, I've talked about this quite a lot in counselling that I've had, where I feel like my emotional bandwidth is really narrow these days. Um, some of that is useful. Some of that allows me to go through the normal you know, small stresses and trials and tribulations of the working day, uh, deal with friends and family who might be um, you know, difficult or you know, people in public who are, you know, life's difficult and you, you come across difficulty every day. You, you have to overcome small hurdles, whether it's financially, whether it's um, someone who's annoyed you or let you down or lied to you or things like that. And I think having a resilience to that can be really useful. I think in the areas like going for job interviews or um, you know, similar situations where it's large life-changing events, I'm quite good at zoning into what I need to do, not getting too stressed about it and not getting emotional about it and allowing um, 
the emotions to overcome me uh, so it means I can function well and I can do things like um, stand up and talk in front of people if I need to where actually if I start, stop and think about it it's quite a nerve-wracking experience I can go to an interview and perform well and get the job um, so I don't think this is all bad but it just um, I think the focus of, of this initial episode is going to be about how that doesn't mean you don't have emotions if you block out how you feel it just means that you're like I say I think the nice term I, I like to think of is your bandwidth it makes it very narrow it means you can't experience the lows but you can't experience the highs either um, on a day-to-day basis but like I said um, at the start of this segment the feelings are still there you're just subduing them um, Vic dying is something which is on my mind quite a lot of the time but not at the forefront it's not something I look at it's not something I examine in great detail or question myself as to what it really means and what I feel about it it's just this cloud which I think has got easier for me to sort of conceptualize but it's also it's also changed me in, in, in a lot of different ways. Um, like I said in that, um, in the speech I gave at a funeral, um, it's not all, it's not all bad. It's not, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike the person I've become in, in lots of ways. It's, um, it's improved me, I think. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, um, when, when I, when I actually stop and examine it and, and, and look at what's happened and, and, take take five minutes out of a very busy and hectic everyday life um then it, it really does reveal that you know there's there's still work to be done i think and that's almost the entire reason for doing this podcast is i've had um various counseling um vic and i had some counseling together in the early days of her getting diagnosed with secondary breast cancer um, i've had some cognitive behavioral therapy um, and every time I finish that, I feel like it does really good things for me. And then I stop going to sessions because it, you know, it comes to its natural end. I have the number of sessions which is allotted on the NHS or via Macmillan or whoever's provided it. And then instead of carrying it on into my day-to-day life um, and sort of maintaining you know, my own individual therapy, I kind of let it slide and then fall back into bad habits, I think. So this is a real conscious effort to keep tabs on myself I think you know have these sessions where hopefully you guys will listen and kind of come along the journey with me but um, if nobody listens I think this is still going to be good for me Um, I'll set aside something like you know once a week to record these um, podcasts and write articles that go alongside and then you know all all things that go alongside that there might be other social media stuff and and everything I'm not quite sure how it's going to look yet but I just think it's um, it's a really good thing to just to, to check in um, and look at the thing that's that's scaring you or that's upsetting you instead of keeping it locked away in a box which is um, what I think a lot of guys do and what I definitely do now with this being the first episode and something I've not done before I've done some blogging uh, when I finished university I did a bit of um, blogging about football and that was um open-ended but you know clearly there's an obvious topic this one it it feels so open-ended that I could go off into so many different tangents about well-being mental health 
um it, it's it's huge this this project it, it could go in all sorts of directions what i thought i might do just to give you a rough idea of the topics i'm going to cover over the next few sessions and new uh, the next few weeks is just go through some notes that i've written over the over the last few days um all i've been doing is basically got an a4 pad of paper and every time i thought of something wherever i've been i've written it down and then added it onto this big list and it's <laughs> getting huge I've got at the moment, um, I'm just having a look, one, two, three, about three sides of A4 uh, with my horribly scribbly writing. Um, I don't know about anyone else, but since computers have, um, and phones have taken over, my handwriting has got awful now. Um, so yeah, I've got a lot of notes um, of the sort of topics that I want to cover. Um, so I'm just going to read some of those out really so you can get a rough idea of the things I'm going to be touching on over the next few sessions. So we've got mental gymnastics, uh, yoga, there's going to be a lot of stuff talking about yoga, um, mourning in terms of grief type mourning and also mornings, um, I really struggle to get up in the morning, uh, the use of the word dead um, when we're talking about death and dying, um, the importance of play, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, rediscovering your inner child, fun and escapism, um, hanging around with children, that sounds a little bit dodgy but I think you get the gist. Um, Rediscovering your inner child, I think that touches in on that topic. Um, not forgetting how to play. Um, doing yoga out in the open, doing yoga with other people. Um, taking the attitude to heart that no one cares what you're doing. Just do things and enjoy them. Um, having cold showers, that's a real big one. I think I'm going to touch on that quite a few times. Cold showers and cold water therapy is brilliant. Uh, dancing, something I'm not too good at, but um, I want to explore why and why I don't like it. Um, compassion for others. Um, I've written down here compassion for serial killers, which sounds a bit dodgy, but um, it's about my ability and sometimes it's to my detriment to kind of see the good in everyone. And even when I read a, um, a story in the newspaper about you know someone who's done something horrific, it mentioned somewhere you know on, on the last line of the story, oh so and so was also diagnosed autistic and had no friends at school and was in prison for three years or a young offenders institute, and you go oh, I can see why this happened. Anyway. Uh, being kind to yourself, um, self-care, being your best friend, um, feeling better than other people, also feeling inferior to other people. You can feel both of those things and sometimes all at the same time. Um, my wife Vic's fears, um, including the fears of what I was going to do in my life, including dating, um, also fears um, of what's going to happen to other people once she died. Um, different opinions on counselling. Uh, some people love it, some people hate it. Um, going back to one I've just mentioned, dating as a widower, um, dating too soon, what is too soon, uh, being lonely. Um, I think I've already touched on this one, but pam <laughs> pampering your monkey, giving him a haircut, washing your beard, um, things like that. Um, really big one here, I've written this one with uh, big underlines. Uh, organisation and structure, having a calendar and keeping busy. That's a, a one that I will spend quite a lot of time on, I think. Intimacy with terminal illness. Uh, I'm not going to go into absolute detail with this one, but I will go as um, as deep as I can on it, I think. It's one of those things that I don't imagine gets much coverage, really, in sort of the public discourse. Um, I'll try and be as honest and open as I can about it, because it was um, something I'd never really considered, you know, when we got that news that Vic was going to die um it was it's not really the first thing that comes to mind but it is definitely something that um partners will have to face I think uh saying yes more and also saying no more um sounds 
like that's completely contradictory, but it's not. Um, now we're getting to the point where <laughs> I really was scribbling. I can't read my own writing, so bear with me here. Uh, shining a spotlight uh, on issues or traits that have probably actually been there since childhood. Um, and just, just some sort of notes here. Disorganization, anxiety, um, and then other bits that I can't read. What I'm going to do is uh, sort of upgrade all these notes into some more structure, into a proper diary that I've just got hold of, and then these will form the basis of future um, episodes, basically. Um, relationships post-Vic, and that means romantic and non-romantic ones. Um, having baggage um, in the form of a partner who's died. That's uh, It kind of affects various relationships. Um, mental illness and work. Uh, how workplaces deal with um, employees who are depressed, stressed, and just generally not coping with their personal life. Um, money for people who are dying, and by this I mean uh, crowdfunding, crowdsourcing, charities, uh, government money, putting effort and time and money into people who you know are not going to be here for much longer. Um, I used to have, I think, quite almost um, cruel sort of views on this. I kind of would think, well, it's a lot of effort and time and money to put into someone who's only going to be alive for another month or something, and I've really... Um, gone full circle on that one so I'd like to do a segment on that for sure um, you have to look back to move forward um, learning, growing, changing but also at the same time not getting stuck in the past not putting too much time and energy and effort into things that you can't change taking one step at a time um, it really reminds me of uh, GCSE bite size revision I remember that it's uh, it something I learned and I forget time and time and time and time again so taking life one step at a time enjoying the process it's it, so much of this i know and then i don't practice in my own life and it's frustrating and i'm really hoping that by sharing the things that i know and the the theories and the the stuff on paper this is literally on paper in front of me that i know this is a good idea and it's a good thing to do and then i don't do it so i hope that i will kind of drum it into my own head that these things <laughs> are good are good ideas um, mental blocks, wobbles, uh, tracking my progress and um, recording in sort of real time almost the highs and lows of just of actually doing this project, doing this podcast and just day to day, um, almost like a graph of, of my life really, how, how sometimes I feel good, sometimes I don't. Um, being teetotal um, and I'll also touch on other sort of vices, you know, gambling, drugs, um, you know, all the, all the fun ones. Um, how to make decisions. Again, a little bit like the one step at a time. I know how to do this and then I don't do it because I'm tired or sleepy or angry or sad and then I fall apart and go into cycles. It's like a spiral of um, procrastination or a spiral of anxiety about something and, and I really struggle to make a decision like what flavour crisps to buy <laughs> or what t-shirt to wear. But I have actually got a you know a good way of doing this when I am feeling good. Um, so yeah, that one. And then finally, I've written Mike Posner. He was just sort of a um, a person I heard his song the other day on the radio, and it reminded me um, of his story that I've done a little bit of reading into. But he he made he's just a um, an example of a celebrity who 
has told his story and then it was it was sort of questioning for myself is is this that i'm telling is this going to be valuable to people because i'm i'm a nobody you know people won't know who i am i'm not a celebrity i haven't found fame and fortune i'm a normal guy um telling my normal story i've got a book called i think it's called the life stories of ordinary americans um it was collated from articles that were in a newspaper i believe in something like the 1920s in america lots of um first and second generation immigrants from all over the world and it creates this really nice patchwork of normal people real people that are in the country not famous people who are exceptions you know the average person in the country those polish immigrants italian irish um chinese and japanese i think i, I haven't <laughs> like a lot of books i started reading i haven't actually finished it so it's on my list of um, books to read kind of my reading list to go alongside um this podcast is definitely up there um but yeah that that's the la- the last point i'm going to touch on at the moment in terms of this sort of very very rough sort of contents guide um is the difference i think between famous people who tell their stories and just the average people like us because i don't think there's actually that much difference i think the main difference is they've had a bit of money and lots of the time they realize that it doesn't actually change anything whatsoever it doesn't make you happy it doesn't solve anything it just sets a new goal it just puts you on a different plane it doesn't really we're all still people it doesn't really change anything so anyway that's a little bit of a rambly kind of summary of the last maybe week or so of ideas i've had to to mention on this podcast some of them will be very short and some of them will form you know one two three episodes and then we'll keep touching on them things like yoga running i don't think i even mentioned running there but exercise um sleep um things like that I think will come up time and time again. The idea, um, if I haven't already mentioned it, is I'm going to do quite a lot on my own thoughts and then at some point once I've um, got the sort of equipment sorted out and the practicality sorted, I really want to start getting guests on it. I've got a, a handful of people at least I already know who would um, would love to come on and share their story. I've sort of put a couple of feelers out and got some good feedback already. So I've got you know one or two people lined up to be the first guests anyway. Um, and I'm really looking forward to once I've kind of done my bit and got everything off of my chest to start in hearing from other people and um, comparing how they're coping. And, and I think the really, really, really important thing is to, to listen how people aren't coping, to listen how people struggle. And I think that's going to be really powerful to, to hear the day to day struggles that people have, the, the blips that people have. And I think we're so used to social media showing us the best version of everyone. I think it's so important to to see the worst version of people, to see what happens when you're not posting pictures of your meals at nice restaurants, when you're not posting pictures of stadiums and concerts and friends and birthdays and stuff. When you know, I want to shine a light on on the bad times, on the times when you're under your diva and you don't want to get up, on the times where you're stressed or you've just got sacked or some someone close to you's died, and those moments that we don't really share and sort of question why um, is it because it's uncomfortable is it because culturally or socially we don't do it or or other other reasons to it and and how people can help each other and how sometimes you know that's fine just to feel like that because there will always be sort of light at the end of the tunnel that you'll come out of it and you can change and grow and um yeah so i'm really looking forward to hearing from other people as well once i've um sort of got a lot of this off my chest Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've gained something from that. I hope it was interesting and I hope you tune in again. 
I'd like to do the whole like, comment, subscribe stuff that everyone does on social media and everything. But honestly, my honest belief is if people want to, they will. If people feel it's been value and they want to leave reviews and they want to give ratings and they want to recommend to friends, then that will happen anyway. I don't want to beg for it. I'd I'd love it if you share this to people, obviously. What I really, really, really want, though, is is give me criticism, give me feedback. If you want to hear more from other people, if you want to hear... Um, less about my thoughts and more about what I'm doing. If you want to hear about a diary of what I've done a day-to-day basis, what time I've got up and what I've eaten or um, less about me and more about other people that I've read about more about other, other sources of um, inspiration or wisdom. Uh, that's, that's the real thing. I want to create a two way dialogue where you guys give me your comments, share your stories, come on the podcast yourself um, be a guest sometime in the future and that's what I really want to do I want to create this thing which is it's therapy for me but it's also useful for you it's a real two-way thing that I think everyone can benefit so again thanks for listening and I'll see you next time mm-hmm.